You are listening to Creating Phenomenal for Your Life, episode number nine, Conversation with Jen. This is Creating Phenomenal for Your Life. I'm your host, Dina George, MD, a lover of learning, a life and weight loss coach, and a family medicine doctor. This podcast is about mindset. What contributes to a life that thrives versus one that is stuck? We'll talk about many things, some related to coaching, some related to health, and some related to your questions, thoughts, and prompts. The ultimate goal of this podcast is to celebrate where we're at and give form to where we're going in our perfectly imperfect journey to a phenomenal life. And give high fives along the way. Thanks for being here. I am so excited to introduce you all to my friend, Jen. (laughs) You will quickly see how awesome she is. Today, we thought we would talk about friendship, partially because it's important to both of us, but also because we've been friends for quite some time. And we thought we would, would structure this with our answers to some prompts that were found in psychology today, the five misperceptions of friendship. Hi, Jen. Hi, Dina. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Are you ready for number one? We should know how to make and keep friends as adults. That is such a myth. I think we can all go back to elementary school and how we learn to make friends. And in some ways, ways those are the same. But in other ways, it's very different as adults. You have to put yourself out there, just like in elementary school. But... Sometimes you want to keep them and sometimes you don't, which I I don't know, maybe that's the same. I think what's so amazing is as an adult, we have the opportunity to meet people from all kinds of backgrounds. And it wasn't like that, at least when I was a kid. It was school or extracurricular activities or people my parents worked with, their kids, but fairly narrow compared to who's available now. That's true. And the, the, Internet and social media expands that even further. We can at least interact with people from anywhere doing all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. But how to make a friend, there's a lot to it. There is. So what, what criteria do you use? I need to have a shared experience. I need to at least have something that's shared that is the way I met them in the first place. Uh, But then there needs to be something that draws me to them and draws them to me. Yeah, so that excitement or that interest Mm -hmm. that I want to know more, I want to experience more, or I want to see the world through their eyes, maybe. Yeah, I'm curious about you. I look for that too, just to start to get to know somebody and then kind of listen to that inner sense of, is this where I want to spend more time? Is there value that I could add by creating this friendship or working on this friendship? Is there interest on the other person's part or is it just some way to spend time? Either one is, is, can be an avenue toward a friendship. So how to keep friends as adults? Should we know how? <laughs> Anytime there's a should, you know that's the wrong answer. <laughs> <laughs> I think so too. And I think the bigger question is, It's that where our focus needs to be. I can see how growing friendships is important or maintaining friendships. And I think one of the coolest things that has happened to our friendship, Jen, back in January, 
when we were doing the half marathon is when we were talking about how we could grow our friendship. I love that question. How can we grow our friendship? Because it doesn't impose that there's anything wrong with our friendship. It's expressing the excitement and the enjoyment of it. And it's looking for ways that work for both of us to take the next steps to really keep it intact, to keep it this safe collective space and make room for what's possible that we hadn't thought about before. It was just a, it was a perfect question for us because we're both very intentional. We like to think about the process and we like to plan for the future and joint planning to make it even better is, is just natural. But it's not a question that I bring to a lot of friendships. I look at this question we should know how to keep friends. I, my answer is only the ones that we want to grow, but we shouldn't know how because that's part of the friendship. It's ours. It's not mine. Yes. And there's some friendships that it's okay that they stop being friends mm-hmm. or that it slides away. In fact, I think that's healthy too. I do too. That Our goals for how to spend our time change through our life. My friend, when I was 16 and and wanting to sneak out of the house at night, might have shared my goals then, but but doesn't necessarily share them now. But it gets to be a special time and a special memory, and it doesn't have to keep going. Part of friendship is that permission to let go or move on or disconnect. It's a tricky part to navigate because A lot of people really cling to, what does this mean about me? If you want to disconnect from me, you're saying something's wrong with me, or you don't like me, or you're not meeting my needs. There can be negative feelings with that. Which brings up a good point. How do you navigate that? I don't have an easy answer. (laughs) (laughs) Delicately. You know, navigating that is not an easy process. But if somebody were to come to me, and to genuinely say what they felt or what they were thinking, I would totally have an answer. And it would be a respectful answer. That question may be the stimulus that the relationship needed to to grow. Somebody thinking, why isn't this working? Or what can I do? That just might be the the key to finding something new. I have the most awesome hairdresser. (laughs) His name is Clay. Clay at Ulta, and he is phenomenal. And Clay had been cutting my hair for a couple of years and basically doing what I asked, which was not much because I pinned it up every day. (laughs) I got home from summer last year and I said, it is time for a change and it needs to be a pretty radical change. And so I went to see Clay and I thought it might be the last time I saw him because I, I didn't know what he was capable of And I didn't know what I wanted. And so I thought I was going to have to start all over with somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I said, Clay, it is time for a change. I don't know what we're going to do. I would love your suggestions, but I just know we can't do this. So what can you tell me or what can you show me? And he's like, this, 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 and this. And it was a side that I'd never seen before. And the reason I'd never seen it is because I'd never looked and I never asked. After he was done talking about it, he was excited and I was excited and it was an awesome haircut. And I was like, thank goodness that question came up because it has reinvigorated this relationship. 
and I don't mean to sound trivial at all in this conversation, but only how some questions, even if you think something is over or not progressing or doesn't have the capability of evolving, it totally can. I love that story. Okay, so once upon a time, as adults, my sister and I lived together, and we had a really good friend who was my sister's friend. We'd hang out, we'd watch movies together, we, we, we just, we loved her. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but my sister yelled at her or something, and she broke up, my, the, our friend broke up with my sister, basically said, I can't be around you anymore, I don't like the way you treat me. And she called me and she apologized, but she you know, kind of just briefly explained, I can't have this in my life and, and I have to move on. And so essentially she broke up with me too. And it was very sad. And I was really pretty mad at my sister for not fixing it. And, and I miss my friend. That is a tough so one. It's hard to have those conversations. And sometimes both parties aren't ready to have those conversations. Either there's too much damage on, on one side or another, or everyone's not, they're not mature enough or just not ready to, to talk about it and examine their, their mistakes and, and repair. Sure. But losing a good friend is, it can be a lot, a lot like breaking up with a, with a significant other. It can be just as painful. Sure. If it's not mutual, I guess. I can totally see that. And by the same token, I could totally see extending love and extending grace for somebody who needs to leave the relationship. Mm-hmm. Because for it to be truly a friendship, it's got to be both ways. And if it's not, it doesn't mean anything about me. It just means it's not a good match. When we lived in Maine, I met a woman who did something really cool. Like she made cheese and she just lived this cool life. And I went to one of her classes and we really hit it off. Like like-minded, it seemed, laughing, having a good time. I invited her and her family over to our house I don't know, maybe a few weeks later for dinner and then never heard a word, no response to email, no response to phone calls. And it was the most bizarre thing. Like I didn't see it coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, for a while, I, it felt very personal. Like what did I do wrong? Did I say something? Was I not on guard with my words? And it took some time to realize that all it meant is that I'm just not her person. And that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with me. I'm just not her person mm-hmm. for whatever reason. I have a, a similar person here who I'm very intrigued by, and, and I'm her fan. And I've lived here for four years, and I've been pursuing her, you know, doing nice things. I brought her dinner, things like that. And, um, and there's, there has been very little in return. It's sort of some, oh, we should get together. Oh, we should, we should do this, but then no follow-ups. And just recently, my husband retired from the army. And so we're going to be staying here. When she found that out, now she's, she said, oh, we can be friends and has invited me for coffee a couple of times. And it's baffling for me because (laughs) why should, (laughs) why does that matter? But that's part of her value system for friends. She wants a friend who's not going to leave. I can respect that. It's, it's different than mine. But it's, it's funny how there can be all sorts of hidden factors that go into what people are looking for. Maybe they're aware of and maybe they aren't. But then I wonder, what, what, are the, what are the factors for me? 
what's driving who I'm looking for for friends and who I'm choosing to be intrigued by. That brings up a good point is the limiting beliefs that we all carry. So believing that somebody can never move, boy, that really limits the field. (laughs) Or the other beliefs about how somebody appears. Do they appear like they have it all together or not? Do Mm -hmm. they have a high-powered job or not? Boy, that goes into choosing or kind of migrating towards somebody as opposed to somebody else. Absolutely. So do you think we debunked that myth enough? We should know how to make friends and keep friends? (laughs) I do. I think we can move to the next myth. (laughs) All right, number two, we don't have enough friends. When I was young, my dad told me, If you have four good friends, you're doing really well. And I thought he was ridiculous. (laughs) But now that I'm middle-aged, I totally see where he's coming from. Because I want my friendships to be nourishing and satisfying. And I want to be known by them and to know them. And that takes an investment of time. And not everyone has those. What I want in a friendship is different than what somebody else might want. And that's fine. But that investment of time, my time is limited. Not that I think to myself, nope, got my four, you're done. Um, <laughs> but the number of, of really intimate friends that I have is, is limited by how much energy and time I have. So I don't, for me, um, this is totally a myth. I, it's not about how many, it's about the quality of my friendships. I think so too. I wouldn't put a number. Like one friend, one quality friend done. (laughs) Quota is met. (laughs) Because it's really about having that personalized relationship, I think, as opposed to the number that are around. And and that might be coming from an introvert. An extrovert might say something totally different. Absolutely. So I value closeness. I value being real and showing up exactly how I am and not having to be or appear as anything that I'm not whether the number around me that falls or that is connected is one or more than one, it it doesn't matter. What about the next one? We should have a best friend. We should have a best friend. That one's a tough one because I see Craig as that person. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's the one that I I want as a go-to. So my husband, that's the one that I want to know everything and be part of everything. So I don't agree that we should have a best friend. Is a myth? I think think it's totally a myth. There have been times in my life where I had friendships for different reasons. So I'd have work friends who supported me at work, but but the friendships were were limited to work. And I had other friends. I guess it depends on where you are in your friendship. Um, At the beginning, or for a certain phase of the friendship, you're, you're doing things together and you're, you're limited to that sphere. And it's not until you take the risk and accept the risk and move outside the sphere that the friendship sort of grows into a different stage. And I guess I define my best friend as, as going across lots of those spheres as well as across time. I think it depends on, on where your emotional needs are at the time. I mean, you might, you might be lucky enough to find that person and, but maybe you haven't yet. I don't, I don't know. We should have a best friend. <laughs> the so, should, the should, should rubs me the wrong way. 
All right. So the, the answer to any should is no. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, I would say that there are times that I, that I have been closer with people than other times. So when our husbands were deployed, I would say we were incredibly close. Yeah, we, we really, we had sleepovers at each other's house with our children <laughs> so that we could watch movies and drink wine at night and the kids could go to sleep. And we, we did, we really relied on each other. And that was just, it was awesome. Those memories are awesome too. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a specific time in our lives, but the time in, in our lives now is different. Mm-hmm. The time in my life is that Craig's home and he's my best friend and uh, and Jen's my soul sister. <laughs> and I don't feel threatened by that at all. That's, I feel like that's, that's the natural place. All right. So should we go on to number four? Yeah. We should hold on to childhood friends. <laughs> I haven't held on to many. For those you have held on to, can you, can you talk about the process? All of them have, well, I should, I should start by saying I'm a military kid. Uh, and so I didn't grow up in one town with the same kids in my elementary school class. I had, so childhood, by childhood friends, I think of middle school and, and high school. I think as all of those friendships that I've, I've only really maintained one, although I keep in touch with some people from high school, all of them have undergone shifts where I was growing or they were growing. And, and, and at different times, it felt like, I think sometimes it felt like I was rejecting the friendship. And, and at other times, it felt to me like they were rejecting the friendship. And that's just part of life, I think. The women I'm still friends with, we share a core sense of, of core values and some core memories. And there's enough sense of humor and, and mutual affection that the relationship goes. It's not the same best friendship that, that we were in seventh and eighth grade. And that's okay. It sounds like using the same criteria that you would use to make a good friend now. There are shared experiences or at least interests and experiences. Mm-hmm. There's shared values. There's commitment uh, to being part of the friendship, being in it. Whether it's somebody's a childhood friend or a college friend or a so we were stationed together in the military friend. Um, it's holding on because of that person and that relationship rather than holding on because, well, we've known each other for so many years. Yes, because the ones that are based on, you know, we've grown apart, but we just used to be good friends in high school are just no longer of particular interest on both sides. Our goals, are, our goals have changed, and, and that's, that's, a sign of, that's a sign of growing up. And it's an important part of growing up, too, mm-hmm. is to really decide who you are and, and what you want, and we can't be everything. No. To continually be growing and, and, and improving, and, and um, that's going to require leaving things behind and, and, and for, for both people. Sorry. <laughs> so number five. <laughs> We're a bad friend. We're a bad friend. I have felt like I'm a bad friend before. Being a military kid, I had lots of friends that I would, I would move away from, and I felt like I was a bad friend because I wouldn't write letters to my friends. I'm not very good in keeping in touch with people that I've moved away from, even if I cared about them very deeply. 
But that just is what it is. It's not that I'm a bad friend. I'm just not very good at keeping in touch with people. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think there is such a thing as a bad friend because that means that there's no friendship. If it's really true, then there's no friendship. You're not a bad friend. You're just not a friend. (laughs) (laughs) Are there things that I could do better as a friend? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Am am I a bad friend? I don't think so. No, I agree with you. And I don't think so because even if I'm not telling somebody I'm thinking about them, I'm thinking about them or I'm praying for them or I'm hoping for them. Even if I'm not calling or fulfilling a role that that maybe they need, that doesn't mean that I'm bad. Well, the, the whole thing is just an illustration. If someone is a bad friend to me, I have in my mind the role that they're supposed to be playing and they're not meeting it, which automatically means they're not being themselves, or, or I'm expecting them to be something other than themselves. It's doomed for failure. I, I, if I'm going to be friends with someone, I need to accept, I need to know who they are because they're being honest and upfront and open, and I need to be okay with that. As an introvert, it took me a long time to realize people couldn't read my mind. <laughs> That's <laughs> so nice. And that they actually didn't think the same way that I did. It was probably our first 10 years of marriage that I didn't get it. Like he really didn't understand. (laughs) Maybe even longer. So that's one of the things that I had to learn as an adult was that others don't know and that I can't expect. I need to share what's going on for me. I need to invite others to share or at least to listen And then I need to accept whatever it is that they can or can't do and not have any judgment for them. Absolutely. They just are. You know, what I hear in our conversation is that it's all about being real. Like it's okay to be really flawed or to really not know, to really say that I don't have it all together and to let that be okay. I think my most intimate friendships have been built on that that raw honesty. The the most my most satisfying friendships have had that as a core part, being vulnerable and meeting the other person's vulnerability with honesty and acceptance. It's risky. I don't do it with with everybody, but um, but those have, that's been a re- very rewarding thing with my good friendships. Why do you think we hold ourselves back? Fear of being judged not being sure if I can know that what I say isn't going to get spread all around or misconstrued mm. or used for someone else's gain. I think probably I'm more likely to be very honest and vulnerable if, if the other person seems to want to listen. So I'm not going to, if someone's busy or, or not paying full attention, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go there. Then they're missing out. <laughs> <laughs> guarantee. You know, I totally see your point in saying that is risk. If I set something out on the table, I can't take it back. Right. Like if I really express something that is deep and personal and the other person doesn't know what to do, because sometimes they don't. Right. Yeah. You don't want to overwhelm someone. That now my, my brain can just be flooded with all kinds of thoughts and judgments. Okay. So then what gets in the way? I think judgment is a huge impediment to friendship. And judgment means the judgment of myself 
or judging the other person. When mm-hmm. that comes up, I really have to check myself trying to figure out, is this just like, is this me kind of being afraid of being real and vulnerable? Or is this not a match in terms of values or in terms of commitment? Or is there something underlying it? Or is this just my primitive brain going, not safe? (laughs) How about for you? Differences sometimes get in the way. Differences that I didn't know were there in the starting fandom phase. And sometimes it's as we have more experience together, I realize, ooh, we see really differently on that, or I don't like the way that you are treating me on this. So kind of like having blinders on early on and not noticing? Yes, and not noticing those. And sometimes it's in myself that what I thought I was looking for isn't exactly what I was looking for. I started a friendship with one person and then found out she told me she was she was extremely needy and had smothered other friends away, realizing we might have different expectations because because you don't go around, hi, will you be my friend? This is what I'm looking for. It's not it's not like a, it's not like an online dating site where where you have all this information ahead of time. Although I'm sure that poses its own set of problems. But when I first start a friendship with someone, I'm not exactly sure what I'm looking for necessarily in terms of I want to have coffee every Thursday and go to the farmer's market and, and, you know, I'm not, I don't have a, I don't have a list. And so when there are different expectations, when I realize that there are different expectations, maybe those are going to be compatible and maybe they're not, and maybe we can navigate them and maybe we can't. But navigating conflict then becomes a, a big divider to whether the friendship will continue and will flourish or, or might divert and fizzle. That's a tough one. If, or if there's a few things you have to avoid, avoid in conversation or avoid in practice, mm-hmm. it makes it hard to have an authentic friendship. It does. You know, one of the barriers we've talked about are, are the transitions in life and navigating those. Going from being in the military to being out of the military is it a big transition or changing any jobs or moving or having a baby or choosing to stay at home. As I've made those transitions, a lot of friendships that were sort of situational have ceased as as the situation has changed. That's largely been okay. It took some time to accept that this is okay. It felt like a loss during the transitions. The stories that we tell ourselves can be so difficult as to why a friendship maybe didn't last or didn't start. So when I talked about that one in Maine, you know, that could come up with all kinds of stories about what happened. None of them mm-hmm. were kind. <laughs> it, took so, it took a while for the kindness to come out and say, this is not my people. A transition on somebody else's part can be really threatening. I had a good friend. We lived in Maryland for nine years. And I had a very good friend there who, when we moved to Tennessee, really felt left behind, who I know still loves me, but has chosen not to participate much in a friendship. And that stings. It's 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 painful, but I understand at the same time it's just it's where she is. Those transitions can be really hard. Anything else for us to cover? I think just that the friendship is just one of those sort of core joys of life. The being known and cherished by another person and supported when I'm down and supporting that being needed by them and, and being able to laugh together and, and, and be real. It's, it's just, 
it's one of the really important things that makes life satisfying. Well, thanks so much for being on today, Jen. Thank you for inviting me, Dina, and thank you for your friendship. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I look forward to next time. <laughs> me too.